Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez here, and today I have the privilege of hosting Parth Desai. Parth is a principal at Flare Capital Partners, focused on accelerating the transformation of healthcare by identifying and investing in innovative early-stage healthcare technology companies. He brings over a decade of experience in corporate strategy, innovation, health policy, and clinical research to the role. Today is an incredible time to be part of healthcare transformation and the work that Parth and his team are doing, working with the system and and uh, platform that they have at, at Flare Capital Partners across a, a wide range of companies that are innovating to make things better in our healthcare system. It, it's an exciting time to discuss what he's seeing across so many different verticals within the healthcare economy and to dig deeper into what Parth believes is driving that transformation of care. So Parth, such a privilege to have you here on the podcast. So glad that uh, you could join us today. Yeah, thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me on, Saul. Absolutely. You guys are doing some fun work and actually some of the companies, Ation, uh, you know, look at Iora Health, Suki. We've had some of your awesome company leaders on our podcast, so it's cool to, to be here with you now, Parth. And the list is, is long of, of innovative companies inside of your portfolio. We're going to dig into those folks. You're going to learn more about what they're up to. But before we do dive into that, I'd uh, love to hear more about you, Parth, and, and what inspires your work in healthcare. For me, you know, both my parents uh, are physicians, so I was exposed pretty early on, saw firsthand a lot of the things that worked well in healthcare, but but maybe not so well. And, you know, my, my plan was always to go to med school, but um, as I learned more about the industry, I wanted to have a, a more macro level impact. And so I had some great opportunities to work in, in healthcare policy in Massachusetts when the state was working on the healthcare cost and quality reform after universal care legislation in 2006, did some management and consulting. You know, great experiences, but I wanted to get closer to a lot of the emerging innovation that was taking place in healthcare and, and be a part of kind of shaping and building that. And so um, that ultimately led me to New York Presbyterian Hospital, where I had a chance to work with a lot of the hospital's leadership team on setting innovation priorities, investing in startups to catalyze that innovation. You know, great opportunity to get a deeper understanding of, of how this technology works in operation. And, you know, I think more than anything else, for me, it was exciting. I started to realize, you know, we're just in the early stages of appreciating the full potential of the digitalization of healthcare. And so, you know, that leads me to kind of a lot of what I do today at Flare, which is spending time thinking about how um, healthcare is being transformed across the entire ecosystem. I think there's, you know, again, tremendous untapped opportunity ahead of us. And as an industry, it's amazing even now just to see, you know, the current environment, how much of our care used to be in person and has slowly or, or has quickly, I should say, um, almost overnight become digital. It's an unprecedented transformation. And I think, you know, there's just an enormous opportunity ahead of us. And so, again, for me, I'm just excited by having the chance to work with some, you know, amazingly brilliant folks for catalyzing that change. Yeah, that's fantastic, Parth. You know, it's awesome to, to hear, you know, your, your folks were physicians and you saw an opportunity to, to contribute broadly. And today we are seeing that transition more, right? I mean, like today more than ever, we're seeing more physicians becoming CEOs and, and you know, CMOs, leading companies. You took the business route and, uh, you know, with, with Health Roots took the business route and now you're doing some really special and unique things at Flare. 
tell us a little bit about how the business is adding value to the healthcare ecosystem today. Yeah. So, you know, one thing that's maybe a bit different about our fund compared to some other platforms out there is, is that nearly three quarters of our capital, the capital that we invest, is actually on behalf of some of the leading healthcare enterprises in the, in the, in the country. So we have about 10 of the leading health systems and academic medical centers on our platform, you know, five of the leading health plans in the country, and some of the largest global pharma lab med device and retail health corporations. And, and so, you know, their collective footprint ref- represents about $900 billion in annual revenue, $11 billion in research dollars. You know, we're talking about 80 million insured lives, 170 hospitals. So it, it's a really kind of broad and, and deep network. And I think our, our team's fundamental belief is that to transform healthcare and drive collaboration, uh, you know, we, we not only need to understand the needs and strategic priorities of these organizations, but also strive to bring them onto a common platform to help kind of catalyze and facilitate uh, cross-industry collaboration and innovation. So, you know, we work very closely with that group to carefully vet out um, emerging needs across the ecosystem, identify technology that, that maybe is addressing some of those needs. Care models, services are also part of that. And then, you know, work with them to collectively improve their ability to deliver, you know, high quality value-oriented care services. And then we look for, you know, fantastic entrepreneurs that are who are building these technologies and, and seek to be, you know, close and committed partners with them, helping them tap into that network for strategic guidance, insights, and, and maybe even partnership opportunities that can accelerate the realization of their technology's full potential. And so our, our partner base is a powerful enabler of this. They've contributed about $350 million in revenue to our portfolio companies, and they've invested almost $200 million alongside us. Actually, we've, we've even co-created a few companies with, with some of our partners. And so I think it just speaks to the symbiotic nature of the relationship. Um, you know, we work, we, we seek to work with incredible entrepreneurs and plug them into this ecosystem. That's what we think unlocks the ability to maximize impact and benefit. Yeah, Parth, that's definitely a fantastic ecosystem. And I've seen a lot of companies succeed and also fail. Um, but the ones that succeed are the ones that tend to integrate themselves across the different stakeholders. Your platform here, Flare Capital Partners, has done a really great job of of just basically partnering with everybody involved. And probably much of the reason why you guys have been successful to have those partners as part of the the way that you guys do things and and be involved in that. What would you say has been a result and maybe an outcome for some of the companies that you've been a part of and that have gone through this program? How has that made them different? There's, you know, there's countless examples of this across our our entire portfolio. All of our companies, you know, we're we're thrilled about what they're doing, how they're transforming healthcare. Maybe the easiest way to to tackle that is if I just highlight a few of our investment themes and uh, and a couple of our portfolio companies. Yeah, you know, one of the themes we invest against is something we call novel delivery, which is really, you know, the shift in making healthcare more accessible via lower cost settings. So, so think, you know, telemedicine, home-based care, virtual specialty clinics, digital therapeutics. And, and, you know, we have a few companies in our portfolio addressing this. One example is Iora Health, who I believe has been on your podcast before. But, you know, Iora is a, a network of next-generation primary care clinics built on a vision of, you know, patient-centric relationship-based care, primarily for seniors and Medicare Advantage plans. We, we've been an investor in the company since 2015. Uh, a unique component of Iora's model is that it's quite novel. They, they utilize a custom-built medical record and tech platform that's aligned to their care model and is more patient-centric versus 
you know, traditional EMR that's maybe more designed to facilitate billing. So that's a real enabler of their care model. I think the other thing that's always nice to point out is Iora is committed to the model and their outcomes. They put those outcomes at risk through value-based contracting arrangements with health plans. And, you know, the model itself has been incredibly successful. They've had a fantastic impact on the patient experience, you know, net performer scores, of, of 90% versus the industry standard, which is, which is somewhere in the single digits. Clinical outcomes have been fantastic. You know, 76% of patients with hypertension and diabetes management control and up to a 40% reduction in unnecessarily care utilization. So just speaks to some of the outcomes that, that they've been able to achieve with their model. Another area that we spend a lot of time thinking about is really payment reform and outcomes-oriented contracting structures that reward integrated care and, and financing structures. And so this goes back to the theme I mentioned before of bringing you know, stakeholders across the healthcare ecosystem on the platform. Um, you know, Bright Health is a great example of this really uh, a company that we seeded in 2015, really embodying um, what we think is is the next generation of, of care delivery, but also finance and collaboration. So Bright is a consumer-focused health insurance and technology company that's differentiated by its focus on improving the quality delivery and coordination of care uh, by partnering with, you know, carefully selected networks of of high-performing care delivery systems in a handful of markets across the country. Um, and that care and financing model is enabled by an intelligence layer uh, that leverages tech and advanced analytics to, to essentially support a better consumer experience, clinical performance, and, and overall plan operations. And so together, this is translated uh, to lower out-of-pocket costs for members, for example, you know, fewer readmissions and ER visits, fewer duplicate tests, uh, referral-free specialist visits, um, really focused on how do we make the, the member experience um, you know, the most optimal that we can. And the model's been, you know, again, incredibly successful. They've scaled rapidly since they launched in their first market in 2016. You know, they right now offers MA and individual plans in, in about 22 markets across 12 states. So again, I think just speaks to the nature of, of how quickly that model has taken a hold in the market. And then lastly, you know, one other theme maybe to highlight here is around intelligent analytics and next generation technology that unlocks efficiencies and, and untapped value in, in both healthcare practice, but also operations. And so I think many of the emerging technologies that we hear a lot about lately, things like artificial intelligence, machine learning, natural language processing, uh, robotic process automation, they're all great examples of this. And Suki is a recent investment we made that exemplifies this. You know, Suki's a voice-enabled, AI-powered digital physician assistant that re reduces the administrative burden on doctors. Um, the company's focused on basically, you know, the fact that today increased clerical requirements have been associated with um, a lot of EM, electronic medical record use and navigation, and that's contributing to a lot of, um, of physician burnout and billing inefficiencies that result in something like you know $375 billion of waste every year. Uh, so Suki software essentially standardizes clinical note capture um, at the point of the physician and patient encounter, uh, improves the accuracy of the note. Suki's technology is able to learn associated coding and billing patterns, and then improve clinical efficiency and patient throughput by essentially allowing the physician to spend more time with the patient versus the electronic medical record. And Suki's had a remarkable impact on care delivery. They've been able to reduce 
Uh, the time the physician spends on a clinical note from about 13 minutes to three minutes. Their providers have seen their claims denial rates fall by almost 20%. At the end of the day, you know, the company's focused on making the experience of care better for, for patients and physicians. And so again, it's a great company. three companies in our portfolio. Yeah, yeah, all three of them, right? I was uh, sharing with you that I was recently on, a, on an interview with the uh, American Academy of Family Practices, and they were raving about Suki and what a great partner they were to their offices and the better, the outcomes that they're helping with. I mean, just uh, incredible companies that you guys are working with. And Bright Health is another fascinating next generation offering on the payer side. You guys are working with some outstanding companies. And so kudos to you guys. Uh, folks, if you're curious about the portfolio over at Flare Capital and what Parth and his team are up to, flarecapital.com is where they're at. Just a great place to learn really kind of where the innovation's happening. These guys haven't figured out novel delivery, payment reform, intelligent analytics. I mean, I love these themes, Parth. How did you guys land on those, right? There's there's so many areas that you could focus on. How did you guys uh, land on those three pillars? Yeah, and you know, I should mention there's there's other pillars beyond those okay. three as That's well. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I think what I what I would say is what's interesting is these are we have about five themes um, okay. that that we touch on. So you know, two of the others that I didn't mention here are around the infrastructure of healthcare. So the movement from, you know, on-prem to the cloud, cybersecurity, robotic process automation, right? That that might be categorized under infrastructure. Yep. And then um, we have one around kind of the future of the consumer. Um, and that's things like, you know, helping individuals better access care, pay for their care, things like that. So those are five themes that we identified. And, you know, frankly, the subcategories within those evolve all the time. You know, a lot of what's going on today has accelerated the shift in maybe focus and importance of certain sub-themes within those categories. And so, and I would say that those are five governing categories. Within them, it shifts all the time. And we have companies that are tackling themes in, in multiple categories. So they span across sure. you know, two or three of those. And so um, we use those as guideposts and then we're constantly refreshing them as we see kind of the overall environment shifting. Love it. So as you're listening to this, you're thinking, wow. You know, there's opportunities to really work with somebody like Flare Capital, or you might be a strategic thinking, wait a minute, these folks kind of know <laughs> what's going on. I might want to consider doing some investments with them. And, and are those opportunities open part? Yeah, absolutely. Anybody who's interested in just, you know, learning some more, sharing thoughts about what they're seeing, trading ideas, always love to have those discussions, always looking to work with fantastic folks in any capacity, and always happy to, you know, open up our networks where appropriate too. So we're all about healthcare transformation and innovation. And so, you know, like-minded folks will always welcome to, to reach out. Please, please contact us. Love it. And, and so as you take a step back, Parth, and, and think about setbacks, which setback would you identify as a critical one that taught you and the company some good lessons? Yeah, you know, I think given that we're all living it and it's top of mind nowadays, I think the current climate is a good place to start. A lot of real-time, you know, quote-unquote setbacks that we're um, assessing and navigating on a day-to-day -day basis. 
But, you know, I think a lot of the work we strive to do is to be an extension of the companies we work with, right? So setbacks are just a common part of our day-to-day, especially when it comes to early-stage companies. And so, you know, again, going back to the current environment, it's been a setback for some of our companies, maybe arguably even an opportunity for others. The most important thing to keep in mind and and that we keep front and center is that each setback, again, presents a unique set of opportunities. We work with some incredible entrepreneurs, you know, to highlight some of the things they've done. Many have quickly kind of assess the impact of the current environment and then look for opportunities to help, whether it's in the actual delivery uh, of care or, or mitigating some of the challenges borne out by the resource-constrained healthcare infrastructure today. And so that's manifested in some of our companies. You know, we, we've worked quickly with them to pivot their solution set to respond to the current needs. Um, some have even offered up their services for free. And, you know, I think one of the things we discuss a lot with all these teams is that some of the best companies of our generation were built during the last downturn in 2008. And so, you know, we think the current environment presents a similar opportunity moving forward. And given that the current situation is so oriented around the healthcare industry, you know, really think that uh, being dynamic, being scrappy, quickly figuring out where you can help out and then seeing, you know, how that creates opportunities moving forward is, is how we think about things and, you know, how I think a lot of the entrepreneurs we work with think about it as well. That's good perspective, Parth. And, you know, I appreciate your mentioning of 2008. And just a, a reminder to all of us, right, that this too shall pass. Uh, on this one, there's a, there's a health spin to it, and we're dealing with that. Talks about vaccines within 18 months. A- 18 months fly by. And where you're going to be after that, when we have this thing under control, begins today. And so if you had to highlight maybe one or two, I guess, things that are we could take advantage of during this time to better improve outcomes and business models, Parth, what would you say that one or two things are? Yeah, I think there's there's a couple things here. Everybody talks a lot about the virtualization of care. So so that's, you know, that's top of mind. We've seen a huge influx in utilization of telehealth and digital health mm-hmm. as in as a new engagement mechanism. You know, we spend a lot of time also thinking about behavioral health. There's a ton of data out there that that links to the fact that, you know, going back to 2008 for a second, um, whenever you have, you know, a couple of percentage point increases in unemployment, um, the rate of behavioral health disorders, so things like, you know, um, substance abuse, things like depression, anxiety, um, start to spike and skyrocket. And so, you know, we're already in a, in a resource-constrained infrastructure where access is a challenge in that industry. Uh, you know, so perhaps there's better opportunities now to quickly kind of come to market with solutions to address a lot of the needs there. We think that uh, there is a lot of um, tailwind behind uh, value-based care, obviously appreciating that uh, operational and financial investment to to quickly enable a value-based care infrastructure is going to be difficult right now. But, you know, if you look at kind of macro trends like um, just, you know, federal spending, for example, and the strain that's going to put on, on public spending moving forward as, uh, you know, the, the federal government takes on uh, maybe more debt and has to service that, combined with things like, um, you know, moving away from a utilization-based infrastructure. So a lot of providers have obviously had to postpone elective procedures. And so, you know, a fee-for-service world, that's that's super challenging. But thinking about novel payment mechanisms, thinking about uh, the downward pressure on rates, uh, perhaps there's going to be more tailwinds for, for value-based care moving forward. And then, you know, one of the things that maybe I'm quite intrigued by is around the digitalization of healthcare. So 
you know, we've seen the current environment and how ensuing shifts in patients and consumers think about accessing and receiving care, as well as em- employers and business thinking about providing care, how, how that's all been set in motion. But, you know, one of the things I, I wanted to hone in on that I spent a lot of time thinking about right now is, mm-hmm. is automation in healthcare and particularly the potential for technologies like robotic process automation and, and AI or artificial intelligence to augment the healthcare workforce and, and really, you know, free folks from, let's say, let's call it lower order activities to perform mm-hmm. higher order activities. And, and to set some context here, there's some real unique tailwinds that I think is facilitating that shift. Um, you know, you look at non-for-profit hospitals, their, their operating margins hover somewhere around 2% on average. Uh, super thin. Then, you know, I, I hit on how um, there's been a reduction in monthly revenue, primarily driven by canceled elective procedures and a shift in service mix. Uh, that combined with uh, pent up latent demand from, from canceled cases, I think is going to, you know, fuel a surge in, in utilization, maybe at the tail end of this year, or maybe when things start to open back up early next year. Um, and so that, that all leads me to believe that along the lines of operating efficiency and cost relief, that those two things are going to be top of mind issues. And so, you know, if we, if we maybe drill down into where the inefficiencies are rooted in the enterprise, especially in healthcare and provider systems, it's really a, a manual error uh, when completing repeatable rules-based tasks, you know, which there are a lot of in provider operations in the revenue cycle process, uh, the credentialing process, supply chain and ordering are just a few examples. Um, and RPA in specific is a technology that's long been used in other industries to augment the labor force and streamlining a lot of these tasks. But historically, it's been super slow to take a hold in healthcare. I think only about 30 to maybe 50% of providers actively use the technology today, let alone um, have pattern of enduring usage of the technology. And that's due to a lot of reasons you know, the operating budgets I mentioned before, but maybe even the lack of the right in-house expertise to sponsor and govern these efforts. And so I think one of the things that we think is going to begin to change in the coming years is the adoption of this type of automation technology, starting with RPA, because, you know, a lot of instances, RPA is a good kind of um, first step into um, intelligently automating the enterprise. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we've seen that, um, you know, take place with companies like UiPath or Fusion, companies that have started servicing other industries, but also entering healthcare. A lot of providers who have had some early endeavors with this have seen some incredible ROI, but then, you know, you see the large technology companies bringing this to their provider customers. Microsoft, I think, is going to be a formidable long-term player here. And so as these startups and large enterprises bring this technology to their provider customers, I think we're going to see a lot of this, um, a lot of adoption of RPA, but what we call maybe intelligent automation, which is combining RPA, uh, robotic process automation with emerging technologies like artificial intelligence and, and natural language processing. Just really excited to see how that's going to transform the industry moving forward. Yeah, some great insights. And, you know, it, it, like before the COVID thing started, there was a lot of focus on, on RPA, you know, and, and, and I felt like a lot of people were really starting to get grounded in taking advantage of that. And, and I think it's great that you're calling out this opportunity to refocus there as much as you could. Don't abandon those focus areas that you were working on before because on the back end of the year, in the beginning of next year, all this pent-up demand is going to just do it before you need it, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly, yeah. 
um, it, and yeah. It, it's yeah, it's it's um it's an interesting area of focus. I know we've been hearing some buzz about it. So cool. No, I love your thoughts. Uh, what what would you say you're most excited about today? Yeah, I mean, so I, I you know that's I would go back uh, again to just the overall automation of the enterprise. I think that's one of the things that we are going to see moving forward. If you if you look at kind of the operating cost structure of most a lot of kind of healthcare organizations, a lot of it is is labor based, and um, I think there's an opportunity to pair technology with the labor force. Um, to make uh, to make everything you know operationally more efficient, and so that transformation is is what I say. What I think is uh, is likely going to be a really exciting trend to keep an eye on. Love it. I agree, and it'll be exciting to hear what you guys decide to focus on uh, or double down on as we uh, as we turn the page on this uh, epidemic. Uh, this has been a ton of fun, Parth. Love your thought process around all these things. Definitely a thought leader in the space. Uh, what book would you recommend to the listeners as we as we look to wrap our arms around how we get better and do better for patients, but also our businesses? So, you know, there's a lot of books on this topic. And frankly, you know, to be honest with you, I day to day consume a lot of kind of short form content, stay up to date with current events, do a lot of research. And so mm-hmm. I'm getting my updates, my research, my nonfiction through a lot of those formats. And so, you know, top of mind, can't really say that there's a single uh, maybe nonfiction book that I would uh, I would I would get out there. I mean, you know, one of the things I like to do in my spare time is is read a lot of fiction. Um, there's a handful of books, you know, I can I can. Yeah, how about on the fiction side? I'm reading uh, the Free Body Problem. Outside of being kind of involved in day to day healthcare and the transformation of healthcare, I'm a big space science buff, and so uh-huh. um, that's one that's one book that I think. Um, tickles that itch when, whenever I'm, I'm taking some time off. Love it. Folks, you know where to go. Outcomesrocket.health. In the search bar, type in Flare Capital, and you'll be able to find uh, this interview with Parth Desai and uh, just uh, the full transcript links to them and the companies in their portfolio. It's all there. Uh, so make sure you check that out and learn more uh, if you're curious. And Parth, thank you for spending time with us. Before we say goodbye, I'd love if you could just leave us with a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could continue the conversation with you if, if interested. Yeah, thanks, Saul. Really, really appreciate it again. Thank you for having me on uh, the podcast, allowing me to share some more about my perspectives and you know our collective enthusiasm for the transformation of healthcare. Just w- would reiterate, I think, you know, we're at the beginning stages of significant transformation, uh, you know, arguably accelerated by the current status quo. And so, you know, I think there's significant untapped opportunity ahead to redefine how healthcare in our country and globally is is delivered, accessed, and and financed. And so, you know, I'm just very enthusiastic to meet and work with, you know, like-minded folks on that journey. And, you know, if, you guys, if anyone wants to continue the discussion, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn, Twitter, or my email, which is just my first name, Parth, uh, at flutterCapital.com. Outstanding, Parth. This has been a great discussion and uh, definitely looking forward to staying in touch with you. Thanks again. Thanks so much, Saul.